Welcome to the Love Good Podcast brought to you by our patrons. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and what we call the art of being human. You see, Love Good's more than a subscription company. We're a movement of artists and patrons who believe in the power of beauty to evangelize our culture. And we're so pumped you're here. What's up, everybody? You're listening to Season 6, Episode 8 of the Love Good Podcast. My name is Jimmy Mitchell, but you probably already knew that. And uh, I'm just feeling very privileged right now. We are at the halfway point of Season 6. In a few minutes, I'll be sitting down with the one and only Dr. Ryan Hanning. I just got to spend a week with Ryan, actually, in the Ocoee Ridge Mountains. Beautiful, beautiful Tennessee. I got to go home. I say home. I got to go back to a place where I used to call home, the great state of Tennessee, And I got to spend some time with a lot of amazing young men and their dads from all over the country. Something called Fraternus Ranch. Some of you might remember we had Jason Craig on the podcast for a bonus series two summers ago, I guess about a year ago now. And that was, of course, when we were doing our orthodoxy series. But Jason was there, Ryan Hanning was there, and so many other amazing people. Even Marisol was actually running this incredible camp just down the road along with Jessamine Anderson, who many of you remember from season one, maybe season two of the podcast. It just felt like a big reunion. And I have to say that's part of what continues to bless me through Love Good is, you know, we're so much more than just a movement. We're so much more than a mission. We're a community. And there's nothing like being together in person. And obviously sitting down with Ryan is always a joy. And so in a moment, we're going to break down what we call the essentials and how to really sift through what actually matters in life, and to not ignore the secondaries, but rather to put them in their proper place. And if you're anything like me, especially when you feel any kind of anxiety at all, it's probably because you have forgotten what is essential and allow non-essentials or secondaries to stand in the way. So in just a moment, I'll be sitting down with Ryan, but in the meantime, enjoy this great new song from the Grey Havens called Blue Flower. Dr. Ryan Hanning, welcome back. Yeah, it's good to be back. <laughs> good to see you because it's a little hard for me to believe this. I think this is at least the third or fourth season that you've been a regular contributor. It's, it's amazing. I still hear from people too. They're like, oh, hey, I saw that podcast. I have to be, it's like, you know, as a professor, for the most part, what I teach is is pretty consistent with what I've already thought through and like right. what I, where I've already come to, to believe on certain issues. But then in conversations, very often it's like free flowing. I'm like still figuring it out. I'm asking more questions than I have sort of resolved. So people run into me like, oh, I saw that podcast and you said this. I'm like, oh, yeah, probably three or, <laughs> three or four years ago, me probably definitely uh, said that. But let me tell you what, what I think. And it's never like in opposition. But one of the things, cool things about these podcasts is we can actually discover and like converse mm-hmm. about these things. Sometimes you'll change my mind and like it's good. So, well, so here's what's kind of crazy is even just in the last 
two years. I think we've been through at least three seasons of the podcast. The world has changed. It is so different. I mean, and I don't want to exaggerate the novelty of our age, to borrow a little phrase from C.S. Lewis. That's that's easy to do, you know? Even C.S. Lewis would be like, what is going on? But I was going to say, there's there's nothing normal about the last couple of years. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. It's not just the pandemic, Right. right? There has been a cataclysmic shift in how we understand human society and culture, how we approach even just political organization Mm -hmm. and the coming together, you know, of of a common people and a common sort of nation. There's a lot that's been blurred. There's been a lot that's been exacerbated. And I think for the most part, there's a lot of folks like us who, um, well, I'll just speak for myself, have woken up confused. Yeah, absolutely. More than once wondering how in the world are we still in this place of of uncertainty and and just feels like anarchy at times, yeah. you know? This is one of the key differences, I think, too. So with C.S. Lewis and and at the time that he was writing, the Chesterton and others, one of the features of, of the time they were writing was that no one expected certainty or stability, mm. right? They, they expected the essentials to be honored and respected and appreciated and for there to be a wide prudential discussion on the secondaries. Right. So things like, you know, food, nourishment, shelter, family, government. I mean, those things are part of the essential structure. So Even like the existence of God. Existence right? of God to be another one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you have these things and then there's a, this, this wide sort of, you know, area of the secondaries that were all about our prudential judgment. What, what's happened is, which is so different, I think, now and why it's so difficult to sort of process this. And it's not about, you know, exaggerating the novelty of our age. It's that we expect stability when all that we've had is proof that there is none right. in these areas. And the things that are actually meant to be stable, we have now relegated to areas of prudential judgment. Yeah. It's not a matter of prudential judgment whether or not the family is essential. It is. This is where we come from. It's a biological fact. Oh, you know, yeah. and if I go say that at some of the universities I teach at, that would be met with 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 accuse, accusals of being a terrorist or something. I'm like, like these are just the essentials. Like two plus two equals four. I'm not bigoted. I'm applying the principles of math. Mm-hmm. Now there's an uncharitable way to do it though. And that's just the frustrating thing right now is that all this, you know, sort of we've, we've, we've elevated the secondaries to the essentials and we fight about them and shed blood when we should be having civil discourse and prudential judgment. Which is what good politics Absolutely. is, by the way. And it's right? fun and it's enlivening. And like, you know, think of it this way. Give me a good example. Even just 15 years ago, even just 15 years ago, the major committees of both the House and the Senate would get together for a softball tournament. Mm-hmm. Like, could you see that happening now? Not a chance. Now, if you're and if you're of the age that you couldn't play, you would you were so obligated to go or commit or make the t-shirts for it. It was like a kids, like a, like a high school yeah. club. Like, if you couldn't play, you're you were doing something. Like, you know, that would never happen now. So it's like I think that part of my reflection has been. You know, what has really changed and why is it why is this age sort of difference? Because I, I I really see this again, again, these essentials we've kind of abandoned. And we're we're spending a lot of time arguing about things that, that are probably secondary in matters of prudential judgment mm-hmm. that, that we've elevated now to somehow to be offended about. And it's like, ah, so that's the other thing is everybody is so easily offended all the time. It makes it hard to have an open dialogue about anything because yeah. well, you're just so nervous to say the wrong thing. Or you're offended for other people. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, right? <laughs> like, you know, like I remember I had a friend look at me one time and he said, look, I don't need you to take up my cause. Like, oh, I'm good, right? Yeah. Like, don't be offended on my behalf. You know, and so like, <laughs> so I think it's, you know, so so to answer your question, I mean, part of looking at the last years is like in every crisis, in every time of turmoil, whether it be 
in C.S. Lewis's time or now, despite the differences, what needs to happen is a real discernment, a personal mm. discernment of, of what has this meant for me? I mean, let's, let's face it, right? So, so we've had a tumultuous election season. We've, you know, we're, we're two years behind you know, now, post-COVID or however we want to describe it, or at least our knowledge of COVID and, and lockdowns and everything. Uh, we've had, you know, some serious, serious, you know, awakening to some of the, you know, systems or uh, some of the continued issues with racism in our country. It's like a punch in the gut. You, you, you see these things and you recognize, wow, there's some real issues that have not been dealt with. And in all of that, the response really needs to be a, a time of discernment, mm. like a pensive, captive discernment, not an immediate response. We have too many, I mean, we have too many cholerics right now leading the charge and they're acting without that first step of discernment for all these issues. Mm. Um, and we see it again and again and again and again, you know, this call for action prior to really an understanding. Now there's the other yeah. fear, which is that you just want all the data before you act and you have to sort of you know, straddle those two. But for, for each individual, the question should be, what have I learned about myself? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can tell you for myself, not traveling for a year, right? I had to keep myself in check and recognize that, I mean, truthfully, a lot of times for me, travel like was an opportunity to like get away. Mm. Like even though it was work and it was hard and like, you know, but like it was, there's there like a moment of, I'll admit it, right? I'll go to confession here. You can hear my confession. You just can't absolve me. <laughs> you know, is that, you know, you're, you're a father or you're a mom and you have kids and, and, and work demands that you get away. And it is, it is, it's not vacation you're working, but it's away. Mm. And I don't have to go milk the goats or move the cows or doing that. I can, I can call it, Skype in at home and see the kids' lovely faces and go back down to the bar and have a beer, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's a mm-hmm. different thing. So a year without having that, like sort of cured me of that in a lot of ways. So sure. like, wow, okay, you know what? Travel is actually not the same now. Like when I'm traveling now, when I used to be like, oh, I'm not going to take the red eye, I'll fly the next morning. Now I'm like, what's the minimum amount of time I can be away from the family? Yeah, yeah. Because there's a great like healing in that year. Of like, okay, gosh, it's not maybe the most prudent thing to be on the road all the time. I was traveling usually twice a month. And yeah. like now we've got limited down to sort of once a month and stacking and saying no to a lot of things. So question in all of this is like, how's this, what has this been like for me, right? And so there's that, that real discernment. What have I learned from this? What maybe traumas do I carry from it? I mean, not just the trauma of, of the pandemic and stuff. For many people, obviously, they lost loved ones. There was a rational fear. There was an irrational fear baited by the media, but a rational fear as well. So there's some you know, issues with that that we might have. We have to confront these things. Like, we just got to really be honest about mm. it. You know, where do we succeed? Where did we fail? Where do we underreact? Where do we overreact? Where were we uncharitable? Where were we unjust? This is what every disciple is called to do Every day at the end of the day. Yeah. This is like, you know, Ignatius 101. Yeah. You're right. Just this constant discernment and reading of how I've responded to the world around me and how I've dealt with the crisis and and what I've learned from it, how I move on. And my fear is, truthfully, from where we sit today, like my fear is that we're so busy to get this thing behind us. Even in politics and the election season and all this stuff, we're just we're just so busy getting this thing behind us. We're actually not being introspective about it. Mm. We'll have missed the opportunity to learn mm. and think. For for twelve months, we had you know, kids back at home, families back together, and you would have thought, you know, if you read the newspaper, that was the worst thing in the world. You know how you know how, what do we need to do to, to solve this? Well, actually, this is kind of probably a positive feature of this. You mm-hmm. know, and so and all the demands of work and all the stuff. So I think this could be an opportunity to really reset the essentials. Mm-hmm. It's interesting because I can at least tell you on a personal level, that's what's happened. 
And the essentials can, you know, obviously take different shape and, and form in each of our lives. But if, if I had to talk about the essentials, I can't not talk about the last things. Yeah. You know, what is God uh, doing in my life? And am I, am I responding to it well? And am I ready to die? Yeah. I hate to yep. say it, but that, that's what it really boils yeah. down to. And I think in this last couple of years, we've been very, I mean, we've been made very aware that yep. most of the world is not ready to die. Yep. They're terrified yeah. of death. And, you know, maybe it does take a, a global crisis or just a personal tragedy for most of us to wake up to these questions anyways, but we should be living at any given moment with the full awareness that we don't even have a guarantee of tonight yep. Yep. You know, or tomorrow. You know, I'm watching a family right now deal with an incredible crisis, very personal they could care less about what's going on in the rest of the world right now because this is all yeah. they can see. Yep, this is their world right now. And yet it's bringing everything to the surface. I mean, this is, I think, the the great silver lining of crisis, of tragedy, mm-hmm. of sorrow, of pain, of confusion, is it forces us to reckon with what we have built our lives around, yeah. which really is a question about the essentials. So when I look at this past couple of years, I mean, you may know this, Dr. Ryan Hanning, but right before I moved to Tampa, I thought I was closing up shop on a lot of the apostolic work that I had been doing specifically with young men up until that point. You know, it seemed like a lot of my time in Nashville had had borne a ton of fruit. And yes, I was still traveling here and there, you know, even before COVID, obviously. But this primary work of being rooted in Nashville and pouring into especially young men through an apostolate called Fraternus, it kind of felt like, okay, mission accomplished. And there was enough of a legacy left behind by now countless volunteers who were a part of that mission. Then it was like, okay, maybe I'm supposed to really be diving into my life as an entrepreneur. Maybe this is really a season of transition and of leaving really what had been an essential part of my life, an essential mission of my life up until that point, leaving that behind. Well, it was literally 10 days later that that thought process was really beginning to brew June of 2020, that I found myself at a high school graduation. You know, one of the few graduations that actually was pulled off in that summer. And uh, it was actually at Jesuit High School because I knew one of the families really, really well who was graduating their oldest son. And so I got to sit out in the stadium with, you know, very few people who were even able to attend that graduation ceremony. And because I had done a lot of work with that school up until that point, it's a little bit of a, like a, a saying goodbye. Yeah. You know, given what the Lord... I thought had been revealing in my own circumstances and in prayer that I was leaving this, this season of apostolic mission behind, you know, I felt like I was in part saying goodbye to that school because it had been such a part of it, such yeah. a huge part of it through all the retreats and pilgrimage, pilgrimages down the years. It was a week after that graduation that, you know, Father Hermes, a president of the school called me and invited me to come down and work at the school which completely reshaped my thinking about what was essential, completely reminded me of this kind of cardinal part of who I am, which is to be an older brother and at times even a father figure in the lives of these young men. And you can see that constant thread, right? So it's not like you're abandoning your mission. Your, your mission has prepared you now to enter into this new phase, right? Totally. But if it, if it wasn't actually for the pandemic, I was about to leave it behind. Mm. So the crisis sort of brought right. the opportunity to the surface, but also the massive reminder. And then a year of of living that mission in Tampa, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. This is actually what my whole life is meant to be about. To such an extent 
that I'm letting a lot of my other dreams die for the first yeah. time. That's a little bit of a hard thing for my temperament, you know, to, to, to deal with is the, the, the death of dreams, yeah. you know, but I'm finding that this living in reality is far greater, Yep. you know, maybe that's what the pandemic and just this last couple of years have done for me is I, I don't have a high tolerance for, for fantasy anymore, Yeah. you know, for, for living in sort of a, a dream world, as much fun as that is. And as many great ideas, you know, there are that can come out of that. I just think reality is way better. I think on a global level too, we've all been reintroduced to the reality of our mortality. I mean, yes. Daily. I mean, I don't know about, I mean, I wasn't, I'm, I, I was not, and even having family members who had COVID, some very serious, some who, who died and, you know, sort of famously saying, I didn't die from COVID, but I, I had COVID when I died, I'm 93 years old, pretty good life, you know? It didn't want to be one of the statistics, but, you mm -hmm. know, the idea that, you know, on a global level, we are confronted with mortality with the insecurity of supply chain dynamics. We can't just get everything we want. Uh, we can't get toilet paper and hand sanitizer. We got you know all these things that, that on a global level we were confronted, we ought to have learned something. Mm. For, for many families, for the first time, they were part of a, a much deeper part of the education of their children, which should be a natural feature of parents. Yeah, yeah. You know, globally this happened. We should, we should be so much better on the other side of this. Mm. We should be more patient, more appreciative for what we have, more thankful for toilet paper, more thankful for medical personnel. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. And, and I'm having asked myself, so many people are, are, are running to get through this, which I understand that's the impulse. Are people taking the time to be introspective and really learn from it? I mean, on a personal level, I mean, how much more so on a cultural, on a global level? Yeah. I love that to be the case. But even on the personal level, woe to me if, if this these last two years don't become an opportunity for me to, to really reflect on what are the essentials? What means most to me? Am I living my life right? I mean, I, I can tell you this too. I mean, even like confession for me, I'm a pretty regular confession goer. Like even, even the pandemic has really sort of like sort of started to shape that a little bit where I, I literally now, if I go to a priest that I don't know, I'm like, father, let me just, before I confess, like, you can bring it, like, <laughs> you know, challenge me with my friends too, who aren't, you know, friends of different faiths and even some of, of non-faith I work with the university. Like I'm really blunt now. Mm. Like I'm telling, hey, I'm struggling with this or I tend to do mm -hmm. this. Can you help me with this? Help me grow in virtue this way. Like having those conversations because in some ways, like we're all exposed. We're all vulnerable. Yeah. We no longer have to masquerade thinking mm -hmm. that we're, you know, that, that we're the masters of our own universe. We've all seen that we're not. Mm -hmm. And that guess what? Government, even one of the best nations in the world can't come to our salvation because that's not their job. Yeah. And so given all that, gosh, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for my colleagues? And, and I would say, you know, I've talked to a lot of people who are frustrated that the culture hasn't really taken this more introspective moment, but it really starts with us. Mm -hmm. It's hard too. I, I think this is where many of the people that I'm doing life with right now are at. My family, many of my close friends, even my colleagues, I've just grown so suspicious of institutions. I've never felt like the government, to some extent, the church, certainly like everybody who claims to be an expert at anything, mm -hmm. they've never been less worthy of my trust. So that's the sort of flip side of all of this is I'm waking up having a hard time most days, not slipping into self-reliance, slipping into yep. this sense of I've got to now be the expert because everybody around me is co constantly contradicting themselves. You know, there's a supreme lack of logic and, and consistency from the top down. Right. And I actually would say that, you know, the the beauty of it is that I have found myself for the first time on a personal level, 
in an institution, this school that I love right. with leadership that I trust. Yeah, I think that, and and that's the key yes. is, is to, to have a new standard of what institutions should provide. That's right. And, and how they should operate. And be more focused on the local institutions yep. that actually shape my life. Like my home parish, yep. like, you know, my boss, uh, like hey. the person, I, yep. I just saw we had an election in my little neighborhood for our, um, you know, we don't even have a, like a neighborhood association, but it's definitely like this community thing where, you know, a lot of events happen. We're not paying into it, but we elected somebody. I don't even know whose name, you know, uh, is, but I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where I feel like that's more important yep. than even who my mayor is in Tampa. Yeah. For, for me, you I know? mean, wildlife fishing game has more control over my life <laughs> than, 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 uh. than Biden. So even, even if, if we had, I mean, so think for a moment, test it. Like, you know, if, even if you had the, the best people in the world running these institutions, it might not have a huge impact on your mm-hmm. life. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah, so this introspective, what do we expect from others? What's what's a proper, what, what do we, how do we hold those accountable, properly accountable? And how do we recognize when that's just not their job too? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, mm-hmm. and again, I, I see all this. I can't wait to get back in person with my students at the university level to really sort of hash some of this out. I want to hear what they're thinking. I've, mm-hmm. I've been I've been hearing it in bits and pieces, you know, as we we interact online. So you haven't taught a class in person. In person. Mm-hmm. So I actually I, I have cheated a little bit. So mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to name names. But some universities were were more more open. Oh yeah. To 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 bringing students back in person safely, you know, prudently. I mean, we you know, we follow all the guidelines. It's interesting too. We didn't even follow CDC guidelines, and I'll tell you why. Because some of these universities have people who work for the CDC. <laughs> like you know, what I mean, they they know, yeah. and we followed guidelines that I thought were really prudent, smart, and we were you know all this stuff. And it, it, but they weren't going to allow those guidelines. They, they figured out a way not to help them, not to have them prevent mm-hmm. the transmission of knowledge and interaction. Mm-hmm. It, it looked different. Yeah. It wasn't a crowded classroom or lecture hall, mm-hmm. but you know the, the idea though is that woe to us if we don't if we don't look back at these last years and say what do I want to learn from this personally? How yeah. am I a better father or a better husband or a better mom or you know or a better wife or a better son or a better daughter or a better friend or a better brother? I mean the list goes yeah. on. Yeah, and you know I, I like to think that we've had this really short period of time. It's probably you know, for the next few months. You know, yeah, the window's closing. Yeah. I, I think I think once we get a year under our belt of more normalcy, any of the gains of introspection that we will have won during this time of crisis will have been lost. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, if you look back at even Chesterton and Hilaire Belloc and others after the Great War, like they talked about that closing window of time for change. Like mm-hmm. this a reality that like we have to be honest. Like in some ways, like we have no reason to have kid gloves on anymore mm-hmm. because we're all grappling with the reality of our own mortality. We're all grappling with the reality of a fallen world. We're all grappling with the reality of sin and death and confusion and brokenness. And here we are with the words of everlasting life, but we're not going to share them. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, so then, like this this boldness. And it's funny because man, I got to tell you, I'm not super impressed. Yeah, people that this is their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is this is not this is not a combination on my own on my own church, but like on on every church on every religion. There's been very little sort of real unified effort. There's been some, I mean, praise God for that. But like, this is the time where like, you know, take off the kids' gloves, just like just preach it like it is, invite people yes. in, let them know that you have what they need. And this is exactly the conversation we're going to have next week, by the way. Yep, we're going to dive into it. Because it is time to take off the kids' gloves, yeah. to, to lower the veil. I mean, maybe it's an urgency that I feel. But there's a, a boldness that I think God is giving his church right now if we're willing to receive it yep. um, that is so necessary in these times. And, and maybe you're right. Maybe this time window is limited. But right now, when you boldly proclaim God's love, yep. when you boldly proclaim the truth about sin yeah. and the hope that we have in Christ, 
I, I only say it in young men. They respond generously. Yeah. Yep. I don't know if that was true five years ago, you know? Yeah, I think people are more disposed. I really do. I mean, I think part of it is confronting our mortality. Part of it is where we place our trust institutionally. Mm-hmm. It becomes more localized. Mm-hmm. We expect more from our, our leaders in our immediate circle. And there's a lot of amazing fruits. I mean, you know, St. Paul is amazing in Romans. I mean, think about how bold it is to say God will bring good out of bad. Yeah. That God didn't cause the bad. It's this great mystery. We have free will. But but if if— if we participate with God's grace, it'll bring good. So the challenge is too, then in this, in this window, we gotta be careful because sometimes the bold voices are the least charitable. Yeah. It's are the most reckless. The That's right. Yeah, I remember when we were traveling cross country years ago for world meeting the families, we were really <laughs> convicted and we're like, Lord, help us do something bold, but not reckless. Mm. Like we have a commitment to our family, a commitment to the kids. And of course the fruit of that was we came back and moved out of our master bedroom and made it into a guest suite and just, loved on people, you know, and yeah. I had a friend who did that even more extreme with the Christian workers who beautiful home in, in Worcester. I never say it right. He corrects me every time, but Worcester boss, you know, outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Cause it looks and like Worcester. It looks like Worcester. Yeah. But you gotta get this like Boston. Yeah. Like, you know, gotta say it with the <laughs> accent. Anyways, you know, he has a house and, you know, when I stayed at his house a few years back, the room I was in was Kurt's room. And I'm like, Oh, what, what does that mean? That was a homeless person who had lived with him for six years and then ended up dying because mm. of old age. But their house, they had that same discernment, bold but not reckless, wow. given the commitments. And they've opened up their house and they have three rooms in their mm. home which are available for homeless people. Wow. And they've done that. And they actually provide then the medical services and the fact that you know, he's a theologian, expert in this stuff uh, in terms of a lot of the, the, the psychological components of healing. Mm. And his wife actually is more in the healthcare industry. It's really beautiful to watch and able to do this. Yeah. So, Bold but not reckless, Lord. Yeah. What is this moment that we have that we can respond to? And how has the last few years really been an opportunity for me to to focus more on the essentials, what matters most in my life, and how I respond and be a gift of self to those things? Well, I say next week or next time we're on you know the podcast together, let's dive into the most essential essential component: bourbon. After bourbon. oh, sorry, sorry. the, the gospel itself. And yeah. I think we're going to open up with some Kara Underwood. Oh yeah, let's I do mean, it. I don't know that we can get her here. We could try. try. We're not quite as cool as Candace Owens, who I think recently had uh, yeah. Mike Fisher, okay. you know, Carrie Underwood's husband, yeah. on her show. I don't. I don't think we got those yeah. kind of contacts. Do you? I, I don't have those contacts. But I, I, did, I did see her at a boot store. What? But they're like setting up for filming. Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Wait, Carrie Underwood. Yeah. Was she like about to do a music video? Or no, it wasn't was a music video. It was like it was commercial. like a, it was a thing for. Um, like a late show or something. It was like a gag. It was hilarious. I love They're that. just setting all up and everything. I, I love that. And I miss that about Nashville yeah. right there. You just bump into Carrie Underwood at a boot store. Yeah. You know? yeah. Oh, she had her people with her. She was. Uh-huh. You so. probably couldn't have talked to her. No, no. It's, it's not like I went up and like, you know, hung out with her and mm-hmm. helped her buy boots or anything, but you know. But the question is, why did she release a gospel record? Yeah. That's going to be our open loop for next time around. And not only that, but like a phenomenal <laughs> gospel album agreed yeah agreed cool. well to be continued we'll see you in a few weeks all right thanks peace in her fancy mba her lawyer fiance i'm the jerk for wishing she would just stop i'm on the other side of the glass looking at the life they have ain't it so much better it's always easier to
You're listening to Happy or Whatever by Taylor Linhart. What a joy to be sitting down. As always, with Dr. Ryan Hanning. You know, there's been a lot of exciting movement within Love Good over the last few months, really over the last few years. And I can tell you that over the next few weeks, we're going to be making some pretty big announcements about the future of Love Good. I want you to be assured that Dr. Ryan Hanning is a part of that future. Father Ryan Adorjan is a part of that future. Many of your favorite guests and regular contributors on the Love Good podcast are a part of that future. And it's because all of us will never really be done entering into our own ongoing formation, you know, intellectual, spiritual, human, apostolic, whatever you want to sort of describe formation as or categorize it under. It's this process of becoming ever more deeply human, ever more richly and, and, and authentically a disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Ryan is one of those people who helps me do that, who helps me enter into a deeper and richer human experience, Christian experience day in and day out. So I'm grateful to him. He'll be back here in a few weeks. And uh, next week, I'll be sitting down with the one and only Father Ryan Adorjan. There's a lot of Ryans around here. I hope you don't mind because they're not going anywhere. Great things to come, y'all. Hope you are enjoying your final couple of days of summer. You're probably not in any way thinking about the summer anymore. If you're like me, you are back at it. It's a new school year. September is pretty much upon us. And just know of our ongoing prayers for all of you, especially our patrons out there. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Love Good Podcast. Share this episode link on social media, leave us a review, and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. You'll start enjoying our premium content and seasonal packages that not only raise your standard for music, books, and art, but that also inspire you to evangelize culture through beauty. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.